of my mouth and the meditations of hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. We had a, a good annual meeting, very positive, so I look forward to a good 2024. <clears throat> I want to talk to you this morning about this, this uh, gospel reading from uh, John. Big idea is come and, come and see. Because Jesus is the Savior that everyone needs, friends bring friends to Jesus. I want to expand this reading a little bit. Uh, Right before it was read this morning, we read, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, that which means Peter. So that just brings a few more characters into the story uh, today. This section shows four ways of coming to Christ. Now, these aren't the only ways of coming, but it's four ways that uh, we find in this particular reading. First of all, Andrew and John came to Jesus based on the preaching of John the Baptist, or Father Don, or Father Tom, or Father Matthew, or Billy Graham, or Shake the Nations, or whatever it might be. Somebody preaches the gospel, people hear it and respond to it and receive it, and their lives are changed. That's how Andrew and John came to know Jesus. The second way in this story, Peter came to Jesus because of the witness of his brother Andrew. One-on-one. All of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are spirit-filled can be that person who can bring and draw someone out from the world and into a saving relationship with Jesus. Don't underestimate yourself. The third way is Philip was called to Christ personally. This is true, and it's still true today. Jesus is personally appearing to and witnessing to Muslims all over the world. It's happening. The fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran. They don't have a the king on the corner, but it's an underground church and it's growing rapidly. People are coming to faith in Christ. And then Nathaniel, he's a hard case. He needs a whole bunch of ways to come. He came to Christ through the word of God, Philip's testimony, and a personal encounter with Jesus. He had all three going for him. But there's just different ways that people come to faith. I I came to faith through a Curcio weekend. And it was a a four-day Holy Spirit weekend. We still have those. We call them Anglican Fourth Day. And that was when my eyes were opened. Let's see. uh, John sent his disciples to Jesus. like that. 
John sent his disciples to Jesus. John wasn't in this for himself. It wasn't about him. He was humble. He knew his place. He must increase, I must decrease. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me, Jesus. Jesus says, no, we all have our place, we all have our role, and this is yours. But it was never, he never tried to build himself up. What he did the whole time was to tell the truth. And the leadership opposed him for it. He was a th- threat to them as he talked about the coming Messiah, the Lamb of God, and then he identifies Jesus as that person, and they hate him even more. And what does he say when they come out to the desert to to, to see him? You brood of vipers, you snakes. Who warned you to flee from the oncoming wrath? He stood up, he stood firm, never backed down, and that's what we need to be doing today more than ever. So what is it you seek If you're, seeking, if you're looking for someone who will make your life easier, Jesus isn't for you. If you're looking for someone who will solve all your problems, Jesus isn't for you. If you're looking for someone who will make you feel better about yourself, Jesus isn't for you. If you're looking for a little religion on Sunday so that you can feel better about the way you live up Monday through Saturday, Jesus isn't for you. But if you're looking for someone who will love you unconditionally, Jesus is for you. If you're looking for someone who can save your soul, give you eternal life, and provide you a home in heaven, then Jesus is for you. If you're looking for someone who can forgive your sins, change your life, then Jesus is just who you were looking for. What are you what you get out of life depends on what you are looking for in life. And what you're looking for, chances are you'll find it depending on what it is. <clears throat> we need faith in Christ more than ever. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is there for you. He is the answer. I look out in this congregation today and I see people that I know and I know there are things going on in your lives that are very difficult. There are things happening in your life you wish weren't happening, either with yourself or family members or friends or people that you love. It's difficult. But don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Jesus is the answer. He really is. Pray that he would open eyes, hearts, minds, and spirits that people might have their eyes opened to who he is and the truth. Where are you staying? They asked. That's not an address. They weren't looking for an address. 4440 Southeast 3rd Avenue. 
They want to get to know him. And he says, what does he say? Come and see. Come and see. Get to know me. See for yourselves. That come and see was the theme of that Curcio weekend that I went on in 1982 when I was 33 years old. Do the math. Yeah. He wants us to spend time with him. A lot of time, around this time of year, people make New Year's resolutions. I'm going to get in shape. My, I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And that's all fine. But I would hope that people would say, I want to get closer to God in a real way, a way that I've never done before. I want to change my devotional life. I want to change my prayer life. I want to change my worship life. I want to get into the Word of God more than I have been. I'm going to investigate a Bible study or a prayer time that's available to me, Christ the King or some other place. Those are things that are really going to make a difference in your life long-term, short-term and long-term. All the other stuff is good, don't get me wrong, but we also need to be looking at our spiritual life and our relationship with God. So Andrew, he's Peter's brother. He's always bringing people to Jesus. He was the one that found that boy in John 6. You know, how are we going to feed all these people? Well, I got a kid here. He's got five loaves and two fish. What do you think of that? Or he was bringing, in John 12, he's bringing the Greeks to see Jesus. He's always bringing people to see Jesus. Simon, Jesus says, you shall be called Cephas. He changes his name. He sees the potential because Peter is impetuous, unpredictable, rash. But Jesus knows he will be steady, solid as a rock. He sees that in you and me. He never gives up on us. There's as well. Don't write people off. You never know what God is going to do in their lives. Philip, on the other hand, is wobbly. He's unsure. In John 6, when they're trying to feed all these people, he says, where are you going to get enough money to feed all these people? This is crazy. And then they come up with five loaves and two fish, and you know the rest of the story. Philip finds Nathanael, and he says, we found him. He's coming out of Nazareth. And Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Hmm. Kind of a judgmental attitude there. People have lists. They have good lists and bad lists. People can be on these lists. If you're on the good list, you can do no wrong. If you're on the bad list, you can do no right. This is not how God wants us to operate. He wants us to evaluate. Okay? For some, Jesus is not good. You hear the name Jesus and they, they recoil. You'll hear sometimes if you're going to do a public prayer, they'll say, um, just make it generic. Just don't mention Jesus. They don't ask me that. Because if I pray in a public place, I let them know it will be in, the, in Jesus' name. And if you don't want to hear Jesus, don't ask me to pray. Others will say, God is fine, whatever. But some people just give it one of them, you know. Trump has that air about him sometimes, you know. F.S. Florida State. 
Red Sox. Yankees. You, you, you got to know, Charlie. It's a little bit of thing going on there. It can be with a sporting team, it can be people, but again, don't write people off. Don't just, just don't throw them away like that. People on your good list can do things that aren't good. People on your bad list can do things that are good. But we don't want to take the time to work that out. We're not called to be judges, but we are called to be fruit inspectors. You've heard that before. What kind of fruit is coming from this person's life? This is what I want to look at. Right? I don't want to put you on a list. I want to look at you as an individual. Jesus sees the character of Nathaniel, who is known as Bartholomew. He knows his nature. He knows him. He knows you and me. If we want to be a person who draws people to Christ, we need to be people who reflect Christ. We need to have a good heart. We've been talking about, lately, I've been talking about changed hearts. We have an election coming up this year. You may have heard that. We've got caucuses coming up tomorrow in Iowa with minus two degrees or whatever it might be. If only it was a football game, then everybody would be there. It wouldn't be an issue. Somebody told me that the Chiefs played this the other day, yesterday. It was minus seven and the stands were packed. But I don't think I'm going to go vote. It's too cold. I can't go to church. I see a cloud over there. I don't know. I don't want to take a risk. Kind of depends. Yeah, we need to reflect him. We need to, we need to live our lives in such a way that people see him. We need to know and treat people as individuals, not part of a group, not part of a group. We've got to get away from what they call identity politics. So I'm a white, heterosexual, male Christian. For a lot of people, I am the enemy. I'm by definition an oppressor. I'm privileged. I'm this. I'm that. They don't know me. They don't know me. They know some external characteristics about me, but they don't know me. We don't, we don't judge people based on external characteristics of gender, race, national origin, whatever, age, economic status. We don't do that. Everybody is an individual. Jesus sees each and every person as an individual, and that's how he wants us to do it as well. We need to reflect the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Gentleness and self-control. Is that what my life looks like? Not all the time. Nobody's perfect. But generally speaking, is this who I am? Is this how I come across? We should be people who say this, what you see is what you get. No matter who I'm with. No focus groups, no polls. The truth is truth. Honesty is honesty. No hot mic moments. Hmm. I always talk about a public persona, private persona, and an inner persona. The public persona is me talking to you right now. Public. I get asked to speak in various places every now and then. That's a public persona. Letter to the editor. It's a public persona. Then there's private. Maybe there's a few people in your life that you are uh, open with and talk to and want to get feedback from. That's a little private area. Then there's inner just me and God. 
The public, the private, and the inner should be the same. I should be the same person whether I'm just talking with God, my close friends, or anybody in the crowd. It doesn't matter. It should be I am. Some of the lessons we learn here is that these men were ordinary working class, not elites, just like us. It's interesting to me that this is who Jesus told, chose to tell others about him. Fishermen, tax collector. These weren't highly educated people. These were average, ordinary citizens who he entrusted with the word to go and tell others about him. And he's done the same with us. Jesus never handled any two people alike. Andrew was cautious, Peter was impetuous, Philip was shy, Nathaniel was critical. But Jesus approaches each one differently. One size doesn't fit all, and it's the same with us. Paul was the same way. The message was the same, but he didn't say it the same way to every group that he encountered. If he was talking with people who were um, workers, it was different than when he was up in the marketplace talking with people who were always theologically elevated. But the message was the same, but he found a way to communicate it in a way that was effective. Jesus knows us today. He knows where to put us. He knows what to permit in our lives. And we need to trust him. We need to obey him. And we need to put ourselves in his hands. We need to let him run the show. He can and will use us to bring others to him. That story of Mary Beth Affeld. If he's going to use that in the children's sermon today. I was in the hospital. All three of her, our kids were up and hurt and broken arm or whatever. Kathy was at her wit's end in Monterey, California. Didn't know anybody. And there was a woman named Mary Beth Affeld who had four boys like Dennis the Menace. And she was always calm, cool, and collected. And Kathy said, I don't know what you got, but I want it. And she shared the gospel. Mary Beth just shared the gospel with Kathy. Kathy grew up in the Episcopal Church, had never once in her life heard the gospel. Not one time. She heard it that night and gave her life to Christ. Mary Beth, I don't think she went to seminary. Pretty sure. We can do that. God can use us to do that. Go to dinner sometime with Bernardo Gigi. And he always says, are you a Christian? To the server. And that, that'll start a little conversation. I love it when twice now, two of the girls said, no, I'm Catholic. <laughs> Not sure what that meant, but. <laughs> well, last night we went to dinner with, with um, Kathy and Frank Morelli. They're here, right? Right here, talking to each other. And Bernardo and Gigi and Kathy and I, we went out, and our server was a young lady named Sierra, and we got talking to her, and she sat down. She starts sharing her story with us, talking about her life. And her life going forward seemed a little confused, uncertain. And so at the end of the evening, we just kind of all held hands, and I prayed for her. She started to cry. I don't know what her faith condition is. I don't know if anybody's ever done that for her before. 
I don't know what effect that's going to have on her. I hope it has a positive effect on her. It makes you start to think maybe in a different direction. I don't know. But I, I said, we're going to pray for you. I said, do not try this at home. I am a professional. So just, just kidding. <clears throat> a young man enlisted, and he was sent to his regiment. The first night... He was in the barracks with about 15 other young men who passed the time playing cards and gambling. Before retiring, he fell on his knees and prayed, and they began to curse him, jeer at him, and throw boots at him. So it went on the next night and the next, and finally the young man went and told the chaplain what had taken place and asked, what should I do? Well, said the chaplain, you're not at home now. And the other men have just as much right to the barracks as you have. It makes them mad to hear you pray, and the Lord will hear you just as well if you stay, say your prayers in bed and don't provoke them. For weeks after, the chaplain did not see the young man again, but one day he met him and asked, By the way, did you take my advice? I did, for about two or three nights. How did it work? Well, said the young man, I felt like a whipped hound. And the third night, I got out of bed, knelt down, and prayed. Well, asked the chaplain, how did that work? The young soldier answered, we have a prayer meeting there now every night. Three have been converted, and we're praying for the rest. That's because he wasn't a weak Christian because he knew what God wanted him to do. And he's just a soldier. I don't think he went to seminary either. But he was following what Jesus asked him to do. Be an example. Kneel down, pray, and see what happens. And after they got through throwing boots at him, they started to pray with him. We need to be strong in our faith. In the end, there's nothing really special about us. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. <laughs> you may be the only Bible some people will ever read.